Hello, hello, hello. I am your Selena hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good, show you how to Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. goosebumps. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I am your hostess with the most is Munoz. And how y'all doing? Um, folks, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we are in the second week of August, and this summer has flown by with a blink of an eye. Where has it gone? I bear I haven't even been to the beach. I haven't been to the beach, y'all. What is happening? But I have been in this heat wave that is New York City, and it is not cute. It is not cute at all. Not much to report this week, except for, you know, I just got back from the beautiful Martha's Vineyard uh, working, and I will be, oh my God, how exciting. I will be in Mexico City for the weekend coming up with my brother, Um, you know, I had a pandemic 40th birthday and an Omicron 41st birthday, and he wanted to do something for me. So we're taking a long weekend in Mexico City, and I have never been. So I'm very, very, very excited for a little bit of safe travel and a little bit of exploration and definitely the food. But I want to get to the getting on today because the gay liberties, the gay food liberties, especially the television ones, and we have an OG of food TV with us today. So without further ado, please help me welcome the one, the only, Chef Dave Martin. Say hi. Hello. Hello. How are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I am great. First and foremost, thank you so much for giving me of your busy time, taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to come and talk with me on my Big Gay Food podcast. It is an honor to have you here. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm super psyched. Yes, super psyched to have some fun today. Yes. Um, but Dave, I you told me before I hit the record button, you've uh you've peeped me, you've stalked me a little, right? You've listened yeah. and so I think you're familiar, right? Or I think you prepped yourself oh, yeah. and not everybody yeah. does. So thank you for doing the homework. <laughs> you're welcome. You're I needed to know what I was getting into. Oh my god. And listen, I don't know if you're ready for the roller coaster, but I gotta do what I gotta do. And in the grand tradition of in your mouth, I need to wish you happy National S'mores Day. Hooray. Okay. Oh my I god, you sound so excited. <laughs> I'm not I, I don't I'm not I don't love s'mores, but yes, I will have one today. Okay. All right. You know what? I I am s'mores indifferent, maybe. I okay. think I think it's too sweet. I just think it's all too sweet. I will make one. Yeah. I, I will I will toast that marshmallow to perfection and then I will take two bites and then put it down You're and over. be like I'm over it's way, it's way a sugar too blast. Sweet. It's a sugar blast, yeah. For sure. You know? I mean like the smoke of it all, right? Yeah, yeah, the campfire in the summer, the bonfire in the summer. I have, I've had none of that this summer. None of it. Yeah, well, it's been too hot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and I've been blessed and highly favored that I've traveled a bunch this summer, but it's been to, it's been to places that that hasn't happened. No beach, no bonfires, no clam bakes, no nothing. Not you yet. Know? There's still time. There's still time. Uh, yes, but it's flying by, right? Yeah, it's super. Yeah, it's almost over, really. I don't want to think about it. Well, I do kind of because I'm working a ton, but it's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, have you now you are in consulting. Ha, have we put some like s'mores desserts on anybody's menu or like, you know, a s'mores no. ice cream? I do. You know, one of my clients actually, she loves s'mores. And so when I do do s'mores, I actually make the marshmallows from scratch, which that actually does make a big difference because they're a little cleaner. I actually use agave versus regular sugar. So they're a little higher end and there's no Hershey's chocolate because let's be real, that's not chocolate. So, you know, what's really important is good, real chocolate, homemade marshmallow. It definitely makes a more premium s'more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you making homemade graham crackers too? (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm not. I mean, I could. I've thought about it, but I haven't gone that far. That's a, that's a lot of work. That's a yeah. lot of work. Well, Dave, you're in luck because, um, and I don't make these things up. This comes from foodimentary.com. Whomever, I, this is four and a half years later that I still haven't met the person behind Foodimentary who's decided all these national holidays that are applied everywhere but it's also national banana split day oh serious yeah okay you get a double day okay sweet well it's all about sugar then yeah right banana splits also not something not something i'm here for no same yeah two yeah i mean national tequila day sounds a lot better to me And dangerous, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> and dangerous, kind of, kind of. Kind but we're gonna of. get Can into be. the we're Can gonna be. get into the tequila of it all. And thank you, thank you for the for the teaser and the plug because we love a teaser and a plug on the podcast for sure. Well, no matter what you celebrate today, whether it's National S'mores Day, a National Banana Split Day, or 
you know, national take as many shots of tequila responsibly as you can day. Yes. yes. We celebrate you. And moving right along into this day in gay history, because the world is a mess and we need to keep our history alive, especially these days. Dave, did you know, and I picked two today just because I found this really, really interesting. In 1888, a lifelong trans man is discovered as a patient at an Iowa prison hospital. There's no other information available, just that they were discovered in 1888 at this prison hospital. You know, I just, I was like, when I dig through this history, um, the further back I can go, um, the further interested I am, even though, like, it's just like a little snippet. It just goes to to show and prove, like, we've been here, we are here, especially the trans community, you know? Right, right. That's, I didn't know things were documented that far back. I mean, that's interesting, for sure. To well, find, yes, of course. a little bit, yeah. Yeah, of course not, because our, our history, although we have been here, isn't really well documented, right? And it, and it takes people, it's one of the reasons I do this, to keep it alive, to keep it, to keep it moving forward, you know? And the other little tidbit I found interesting and very apropos for what's happening in the world today is that in 2011, in the Czech Republic, several thousand people marched through Prague in the, Czech's capitals, in the Czech capital's first gay pride festival. The event was peaceful, though there were some 300 vocal opponents. Shout out to you in the Czech Republic, all our gay brothers and sisters and others out there. You know? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Only 11 years ago. That's not very long ago. No, and it's like, it's, it's surprising. It's, uh, it's like our history is vast, but not necessarily that long ago. Like, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's new and evolving and, you know, hoping, <laughs> hoping to keep it moving forward. But there's a lot of crazy shit out there today that, you know, I'm feeling like we're going back in time. Yeah. For for what reason at that? I know. You know, Crazy. for what reason at that? But we're here to celebrate. Yep. We're here to celebrate the entire LGBTQ community in all of its forms. And it's one of the main reasons I do this. And it's and and I just love these little factoids. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they're really fun. Sometimes they're really serious. And sometimes they're just really, really interesting. Right. And I wish yeah. we knew a little bit more about what happened in 1888 to this person. That For was sure. that was in jail. You know what I mean? I'm sure. So that, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it was very difficult. <laughs> right? Um, or or really, just really interesting, right? Yeah. Like how how this person navigated life. So shout out to you, um, our ancestors, uh, whomever you are and wherever you are right now. Uh, sidebar: I recently took a walk through a Redwood State National Park out in Guerneville. Uh, uh-huh. California. Have you ever been to, I to have, the Redwoods? Yeah. Have you ever? Yeah, um, years ago. Years ago, as it's, a kid, it was like it's a family the trip. first time. Speaking of the ancestors, it's the first time ever. It's if you, if you ever have a chance in your mouth, listeners, to do this, I say one hundred percent go. Your phone doesn't work because it just doesn't work. Like the trees are like no man. And and I um, I really I was alone. I was just alone through this like vast thing, and I. 
Maybe it's a little oogie boogie or whatever, but I really could feel because I was on indigenous land at one point. It is no more. But like you really could feel the spirits and you really could feel the energy and you really could feel these things, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this Could've bird been there forever. Yeah. Thousands of years. Yes. And this bird followed me for a good 20 minutes. I was oh, like wow. this bird. It was really, really interesting. You know, yeah, very speaking of. And spiritual, speaking of the ancestors. And it just, you know, sidebar and little tidbit and like that just this whole conversation reminded me of. But I want to get to the getting on and celebrate you. And in your mouth, listeners, if you didn't know, but you probably already do, Dave Martin is an American chef who first made a name for himself with an unforgettable appearance on the inaugural season of Bravo's Top Chef. Since the show, he's gone on to have a busy career in restaurant consulting, events, and private chef work. While Dave loves the cuisine of every country he visits, his love for Mexican food and tequila is beyond compare. You and me both, Dave. You and me both. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Most recently, Dave released his book, The Tequila Diet, an homage to the world's greatest spirit and a guide to some of the most loved classic foods of Mexico. This easy-to-follow book is a collection of recipes influenced by Dave's adolescent years growing up in Southern California, combined with his adult adventures traveling through Mexico. His deep reverence for tequila is apparent throughout his use of the spirit in his tasty cocktails and several di dishes. Welcome, Dave. Welcome. Thank we you. have the OG of food TV with us today. Is that crazy? I know. It's it's so crazy how it's all blown up since the original days. Yeah, I remember I remember. I was uh, oh, really? I was there. I was really? there. Listen, this face looks young, but she is almost 42. Oh, you're doing good. <laughs> Whatever you're doing it's working. Celery juice, celery and turmeric juice. I okay. I stand I stand by it fresh. Um, listen, I listen, Dave. I usually start at um, a food beginning here, and I want to start at a at a different point of your food beginning and this Top Chef journey. And what's it like seeing being being like at the precipice of of what food competition show TV was like and and where it's at now. What is it like seeing that trajectory? What is it like, you know, being part of of the beginning of that experience? Yeah, you know, it's it's such a big uh, evolution, right? Um, this is, you know, we filmed in, I think we filmed in 05 and it aired starting in 2006. So yeah, I'm more than 42, but um, it, uh, yeah, it's it's come such a long way now. There's just so many shows, you know what I mean? It's like there's such a, almost a saturation of things, and it, it's all good, but I mean, at what point does it go back to a little bit more organic and real? You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, I'm a reality junkie. One, it's the main genre that I watch, but I'm also a byproduct of that, you know, from doing Top Chef and Chopped and Cutthroat Kitchen and all these shows, and um, I, I just turned down a show just because I was like, you know, at what point do we stop? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, not that it's bad, but it's like, you know, it, and I want it to keep going. I don't want it to end for other people to have the opportunity, but 
I just think that it can become too extreme. Yeah, I mean, we have every genre of food, reality TV out there from... Well, what's the name of the show with Nicole Byer? Um, oh, nailed, yeah, it. nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, there's that crime scene kitchen. There's... Yeah. There's... Is it cake? I mean, you know, which there is a new one. Have you seen that one? Which one? It's called Is It Cake? No. Oh, yeah. Is It Cake? Yep. Where they make these things that look like yeah. real items. Right? There is... There's... Um, Antony has a new show coming out. Um... You know, queer eyes, teaser, oh. teaser, okay. if you will, for okay. for okay. somebody on this podcast. Uh, cool. Cool. <laughs> there's there's just so so many that it's just like you make a you make a good point. At, at what point is it too much? There's British Bake Off, which we yeah. all love, 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 right? The which OG. actually kind of G cast, but whatever with the new ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. The I, host, I'm with the host. Those two gals, they were so much better. Like. The two those now, two gals just, were hysterical. They were the show. I loved them. They loved right, them. Yeah. and and nobody could compare. Nobody no. could compare. No. no, to the two of them. You know, yeah. Yeah. They, they were they were the Ryan Seacrest and Brian Dunkelman. <laughs> totally, totally. I agree. I agree. Sidebar: You said you're a reality TV show junkie, and we love oh, yeah. some reality TV here on In Your Mouth. The royal okay. we, because it's just me and this photo of Lainey Kazan behind me. Um, <laughs> what other reality TV is there that you're into? I mean, I do certain uh, branches of Housewives, not all of them. I do. Which ones? Yep. Which ones? That's what I was go- I- aiming for. Okay, I'm told uh, Beverly Hills. Obviously. Uh, Beverly Hills, New York. Um, I do Potomac a little bit. I, I, I don't really do Atlanta. I know people love Atlanta. I just don't. Um, I Dubai's out, so I'm doing Dubai. So I'm, it's I'm kind of yeah. I'm I'm not I'm still like on the fence with Dubai, right? And it's so funny because yeah. because I watched the Ladies of London. Uh, uh, oh, loved, loved, tre- loved, loved on the treadmill, right? And so I was hoping for that Caroline Stanberry, but that like it's uh-huh. I I think I think it's all too performative. All those ladies are literally doing it for the camera and oh, yeah. I'm I'm still on the fence but I love an ultimate girls trip too now. Um, the second one is Phaedra like Yeah. Know, I knew her from Atlanta and I, I didn't she was okay. I mean her ex-husband was really hot but um the the good one that went to jail. But uh, Yeah. I'm Apollo. Was, we yeah. were all Apollo fans. Hello, yeah. <laughs> um but the second one, I mean, she is so fucking hilarious on there. I mean, I am just loving her. I'm just like she's a she's a peacekeeper. She, yes, she, she's I the just, peacekeeper for once. You know, Phaedra Parks, right? Although became problematic on yes, uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta, hands down had the best reads of any franchise of Housewives. Yes, I'm, the I'm best reads. I'm um, now and loving it. Oh, love it, love it, love it, love it, right? I'm a Lisa Rinna stan for sure, oh, even yeah. though she's a big problem. But yeah. I love her to death. She's there, yeah. yeah. Yep, right? I have all my theories. We can go on and on about this. And before and before I move on, have you discovered Real Housewives orders on Instagram? No. 
friend to the pod. It's an it's an entire Instagram that's dedicated to the Real Housewives ordering food. <laughs> no way. Okay. All right. I'm interested. He's Canadian. He's uh, uh, they're amazing. Go follow. Shout out to you. Um, but I love we love a reality TV moment here on. And I and reference here on In Your Mouth. But um, speaking of food, where did the love of food come from? You know, I was really lucky. I grew up in a very middle class family and my mom and dad both worked, you know, the old school uh, 70s thing. And, you know, my mom still made food from scratch and baked from scratch. I didn't have Oreos. I didn't have sugar cereal. It was always from scratch. And my grandmother cooked and baked, and so it kind of came from there. My father, who was kind of like from, I say the South, Indiana was the South, or is the South to me. So that's kind of where I got my comfort angle, which is was my original, you know, style, because that's what you, you know, you emulate what you know. But it actually came from home and being in a home where things were from scratch. Yeah, and then at what point did you decide to go on the journey of, like, this culinary adventure? Did Did... Were you like, I need to go to school for this. I'm definitely going to be a chef. I, I I really have this passion for this. Yeah, you know, it was really a second career for me. I was always working in restaurants through high school and college. I was in tech. I had a recruiting company, um, and the market crashed. And so I was like, oh, shit, I'm screwed. So I actually went back to school and decided to pursue my passion and did a Cordon Bleu, and kind of that's where it all kind of switched. And, you know, I said, let's make it happen. Um you know, and then Top Chef and catapulting me to, you know, New York and things like that. But yeah, it kind of started as a second career and like, oh my God, like I've just lost everything. What am I going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had a lot of Le Cordon Bleu alums on the pod. Oh, really? Okay. Right? From yeah. from Neil Patrick Harris's husband, David Bertka, uh-huh. uh, to who else? Uh, Chef Pink DeLongpre, I think, went to Le, Le Cordon Bleu. Um yeah, so many, so many, yeah. so many, so many products. Uh, Le Cordon Bleu uh, churning out, you know, the queer chefs of the world. You know what I mean? I do. <laughs> a while ago, Michael Twitty, a friend to the pod and friend to me. Um, I don't know if you know Michael, know of Michael Twitty, uh, but sent me on a journey of queer food and what queer food means. And this question just came to me because I, I mentioned queer, uh, Le Cordon Bleu, churning out queer chefs of the world. Do you think there is a sector of, of queer food, of gay food that um, is out there? I mean, queer food. I love this question because it always, and I'm giving you some time to think here about it, but um, I love this question because it always dumps people um, sometimes, and the answers are vastly different and always interesting um, in regards to this topic. I think that my interpretation, right, of this question and things is more of, you know, maybe we have different inspirational things that we tie what we do to and maybe more willing sometimes to push things and push flavors and do things that aren't just so by the book. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, it's I, ha- I have, like, my Cape Cod client and my New York client, like, you know, people say, and, you know, whether even if it's the housekeeper that's like, your food is different, 
than everyone else that comes in here. She's like, you know, she was just saying to me this week when I, I just left Cape Cod yesterday, she's like, all your stuff tastes different. So maybe there's something in us that we put into our food. You know, I mean, food, good food is it, it's about love and passion. And so maybe sometimes us queer folks, like, we're more be, maybe more connected to that. So yeah. maybe there's more of that in our food. So that's yeah. what I would say. And and I think to and I think to your point too, we as LGBTQ people, queer people should um, are more often than not not afraid to take risks. Yes, you know because of because of what we've had to um, you know go through and 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 the journeys that we've that we've been on and and things like that. And when it applies to our chosen careers, especially one in food, I think to your point, you know, that something else different in there could possibly be the risk. Yeah, I, I think so. Because I don't like, I don't like the same old shit. You know, I don't like menu 101. I like to always keep going. And other chefs do this too, straight chefs too. But, you know, I always want to keep moving and evolving and having new things. And of course, if we've got things that people love, we'll bring those back. But I like to keep it fresh. You know, when I'm talking on the private chef or even restaurant level, um, I just like to keep it fresh. I don't want to repeat all the old, sh- old shit. You know, I want to keep it fresh. I want to keep it light. You know, bring in the merge of the living on both coasts and just continually growing and evolving and not. And just making it me, and and it is personal. You know, some people are like, oh, don't take it so personally. It's like, it well, is no. personal to me. It's yeah, it's I a do. reflection like, of you. Yes, exactly. So when people say that shit, it's like, you know, fuck off. Stay in your office or whatever. Like, it it is personal <laughs> yes, to me. Stay. It is personal. I I care. I mean, I'm almost crying now. That's me. You know, like I really care about it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, to your point, um, why I don't like the favorites question. Like uh, if I do an interview or I'm talking Mm -hmm. to friends or I meet somebody and they're like, oh, you're in this food space. What's your favorite this? And I was like, I don't really do favorites because I'm forever evolving. And I'm like, I always say, I have pregnant lady cravings. One day I want this and the next day I want this. And nothing is ever really the same, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I get that, obviously, all the time. You know, people, oh, what's your favorite dish to make? And then it's like, well, what are we talking about? What season is it? How am I feeling? What country am I in? You know, it, it's a constant variable. So I'm yeah, completely agreeing right? with that. And so, Well, I, I actually do that. know your favorite because it's Mexican food and you wrote an entire... Uh, yeah, you wrote an entire book. <laughs> yeah, true, true. About it, yeah. which we are going to get to, right? Okay, okay. Right? We love we love a good teaser. We're going to get to it after the break, but before we get to the, to the break, right? We yeah. always talk about uh coming out on the pod because uh our stories matter and we never know who's listening. And it's really really important to share our stories because we never know who we can affect on this pod. And I was wondering if you would share your coming out story with us. Sure, sure. I was actually just uh, sharing it um, with some folks last night. And, you know, I for me, it was later in life. It was when I was 31. Um, you know, I was always gay. Like, I knew, of course I knew, but I didn't want to ever deal with it. And all my friends knew. But for me, I was not acting on it. Like, I wasn't doing it. So that was what I was able to... That's how I could keep it separate when people would call me whatever, you know 
the names. Um, I was like, I'm not, because I've never like been with a guy, right? So I did this whole thing, and I did the whole thing of like, I started with saying I was bi, and then I was in therapy, and I went to Landmark, and I did all this shit to figure it out. And um, yeah, and then I hooked up with a guy. Um, and so at that point was when I was able to, for myself, you know, it's something I still deal with present day and I'm, I'm much older than 31, but yeah, that was when I finally did therapy and, you know, called my mom and did all that shit and just was like, this isn't about you. Okay. This is me and this is what it is. And it doesn't change me or who I am, but you know, it took me a long time to get to that point. And I mean, I'm in therapy today and I still, it's something that I talk about and, you know, like I always use the term rainbow because I don't say gay and queer. You know, I'm very, I'm very much in a hetero world. Like my college friends, all these people that I've had for years, they all love me and it's all great, but, and they don't care, but I'm still a little bit repressed by myself. So I'm out and I'm doing it and I'm, you know, I'm strictly dickly and all that, but it's, yeah, it's, it's always kind of there for me, you know, even though I've dealt with it and told everyone and everyone knows yeah. and it's good and I'm gay and I'm queer and all Absolutely. those things, but it's, it's a continual process for me. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Number one, thank you for sharing. All right. Number two, I, I have said more than once on this podcast, you know, no matter how out you are, it's for us as a community, there are several, I think, personally, you keep coming out, whether it's to yeah. yourself or to others in, in very different ways. You know what I mean? And th it's this ever-evolving process, right? It's, it's, never, it's never just this one thing and you're done, right? Because right. you're always you if you're, if you're a growing person and, and an evolving person, right? You're going to discover yes. new things about yourself, right? Yes. You're going to, right, do therapy, right? And highly recommend, love therapy, right? It's so yeah. good, right? Yes. Everybody yes. should. Yes. Um, but, like, to your, uh, once again, to your point, right? You're, you're making great points here that, like, it's this ever-evolving process and this ever-changing thing within yourself, right? Because you change and yeah. and the way you feel changes and your environment changes and and things like that, right? Totally. Well, and kind of what I think about, you know, we have the rainbow, right, and all the striations of color. That's kind of your evolution process is kind of how I look. That's what I look at the rainbow as. That's what it means to me. It doesn't mean, you know, it means different things to people, but I just see that's kind of, I'm going through that and always kind of changing colors, if you will, like a chameleon, not... You know what I mean? I'm being kind of yeah. crazy, but that's that's what I look to that as. That's no, that that absolutely evolution. makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. And we part of the reason this podcast started is because the the food world, especially behind the line in the restaurant business, is very heteronormative. It's very toxic masculinity, right? And you brought up that you you're in a very hetero space. Before we cut out to this break, talk to me about like the importance of being out in that space and what it's like. I, you know, I just think it's important for whether you're 15, 25, or 55, just to see that other people are 
are being themselves, you know, because some people never come out and never deal with it. So I think just being yourself and, you know, my opportunities to be on television and all these things and just being myself, you know, that was maybe one of the first times that I could just really be me and say whatever I wanted and do whatever I wanted and put it out to the world. You know, it was very, it was pretty empowering. So I think that was a very big help for me to just be on TV and just, I didn't give a fuck. And thankfully I ended up being funny and all that shit that came along with it because that's who I am. But yeah, so I, I think I like to do it to maybe inspire just one person to, you know, be themselves and pursue what they want to do and just show that your sexuality doesn't define you and where you can go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Representation matters, y'all. It matters in all its forms, right? Can't say it enough. And um, I don't know, Dave, have you seen the new Queer as Folk on Peacock? No, I haven't. Is it good? Oh, so good. Eight episodes, and it's really good. But. But episode one, they start with the season finale, and it's a little trauma-inducing. So just pour yourself okay. a glass of wine if you drink, and okay. just be ready, right? Okay. But okay, um, so good. Just uh, on the heels of representation, right? Okay. And I really want to thank you just for you know opening up and having this conversation with me, right? Because it's important, and like I always say, every podcast at this point. You know, we do this for you in your mouth, listeners, because we never know who's listening, right? And we never know who yeah. we can affect. And we never know who, uh, like what opinions we can help people form or, you know, who we can help carry through maybe a difficult moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so with that, I'm going to say thank you. And right now, Dave and I are going to go get some tequila because we have a book to talk about and a diet. And yes. we're going to be right back with my favorite part, and your favorite part of the podcast. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. All right, in your mouth, listeners. I hope you're ready, Dave, because I'm taking you to my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast. A little something we like to call... Food news update! Food news! Ooh, honey, you ain't ready, girl! Spill the tea! News update! McDonald's and Dairy Queen are currently involved in a roadside sign roast. Have you heard about this? Right? I saw it. I didn't click. Tell me, because I hate fucking <laughs> McDonald's. Um, I could do a blizzard if I had to, but I'm. 17 years sober on fast food. So, yeah, tell me. I didn't do the click. What is it? (laughs) I love... You know what I love about this, right? Is that whomever's behind it is really just like... There has to be gay people behind it because it's really witty. It's really (laughs) witty and really bitey and like a little shady, you know, the whole Uh thing. Uh So... 
McDonald's and Dairy Queen in um, the small, uh, the some small Missouri city, got into a sign roast where McDonald's posted something on on a sign, being like, "Hey, do you want to have a sign war?" And Dairy Queen goes, "No, we're too busy making um, we're too mis- busy making ice cream." And then McDonald's like clapped back. You know, oh, okay, yeah, and yeah. Dairy Queen was like, "Oh, you sure your, mach- your machines are working?" You know, and yes. then McDonald's goes, "What's a milkman in pa- pantyhose? A Dairy Queen." And it goes on and on and on. It's it's really really hysterical. Um, the bank got like Arvest Bank got involved, being like, you know, checking in on the sign war. You know, um, it's. It's just really, really funny. Like McDonald's clap back, wow, salty, like our world famous fries, right? Um, and then Dairy Queen goes, why, why dine with a clown when you can dine with a queen? Oh, that's, I'm gonna, <laughs> I have to check it out. It sounds pretty entertaining. <laughs> It'll take five minutes of your day. Perfect. I think it's joy seeking, right? Yeah. Um, especially with all like the news cycle, right? Especially with the current news cycle, if you're yeah. driving down the road in whatever small town Missouri City this is, uh, it's I I would think it's something to look forward to. Lighten like, up. yeah, right. What are the antics these two these two people are trying to pull? I'm surprised. I guess it's I guess they can do it because they're franchises, both of them, right? Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. So they're not necessarily beholden, like lock hard to like corporate. You know, right? right. Yeah, I think things. they have a little, they have a little leeway, and they're keeping it fun and clean, and it's actually creating interest, and maybe someone's driving through because of that. So, yeah, you know, um, you know. Well, the shadiest queen of them all is Wendy's. You know that. Oh, we- yes. That Wendy's Twitter is vicious, and oh, yeah, <laughs> and Very we love her. Yes, we yes. love her. She needs to come on this podcast. Whomever runs that Twitter <laughs> does not. Yeah. That homosexual needs to come on this podcast. Totally. <laughs> for sure. I think we're here for this, right? I think oh, yeah. I think we could be here for this. Like a, a little a little fun, a little fun shade, you know, a little nice shade between between to to brighten up the day of the people in small town Missouri, right? Yes. As lo- sure. as long as it's not Chick-fil-A, I think uh, we totally. can totally be here Behind for it. it. This L.A. restaurant is willing to trade free food for bottles of sriracha. Can you believe this? There is. I heard about the sriracha shortage. There is a sriracha shortage. I can't. And I I just discovered that I cannot say the word sriracha. 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 (laughs) Yeah. What restaurant is that? There is, um, and thank you to Food and Wine, who's still not a sponsor, but always keeps me in up to date with my latest food news. <laughs> so there is a Vietnamese restaurant in LA that's w- willing to trade some of its less spicy me- menu items for unopened bottles of this delicious hot sauce. The restaurant is called Bayou, and they wrote on Instagram, of all the supply chain issues in the world, this one feels personal. 
And so, according to the Instagram post, anyone who takes a, a box fresh 28-ounce bottle of sriracha to Bayou will get a coupon for a free banh mi sandwich, popcorn chicken, or order of summer rolls. And customers who are willing to part with a 17-ounce bottle will get half off their order. They go about 312 bottles a year. So any little bit helps, they wrote. That's crazy. That's crazy that we're out of sriracha now. I mean, I have plenty, thankfully. And so, Sambal, which, but it's the same company, Hoifang Foods, that makes both of those products. Yes, I love Sambal. Oh, that's better. I, it's, I prefer that, because then you can modify how you wish, but um, wasn't it a pepper issue? Was that the issue? Behind yeah, it? it's the pepper yeah. issue that they didn't get it's harvested in time or there yeah, weren't yeah. enough people to I mean, harvest them. Working. Yeah. Yes. It's, a, it's, it's like the COVID domino effect is what it is. Yeah. Still rolling out. You know, I thought this was very, you know, uh, this was a very good topic since you consult in a lot of restaurants. Is this something, is this a tactic you would ever use to kind of bring, bring in a product that you would need? To no. help a restaurant out? No. I mean, again, they're, you know, probably a small, you know, maybe one unit or a couple of unit operation, but you've just got to figure out to make your own, you know, make something similar. I get it that they're out of it, but you got to like, you know, pay someone you gotta like pivot to all change. come in and I'll, I'll make it for you. We'll create a recipe that works to get you through it, you know, and then yeah. just make that be your staple because you can't, you can't run out of a core ingredient like that and... Yeah. Well, especially in Vietnamese food. You know what no, I mean? It's a core, it's key. Yeah. yeah so I, I would pay someone to help develop something for them in the interim. Yes. Right. Oh, so you're going to pay to help somebody develop? Is that what yeah, you like me? Yeah. Oh, get it. Get it. Listen, yeah. Bayou, if you're listening, <laughs> this <laughs> Dave we'll Martin is you. available to help. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we are going to get you paid, Dave. Totally. Totally. <laughs> Well, if you're in L.A. and you have an extra bottle unopened, of course, of Sriracha, um, head out. Head out and get yourself. Uh, I want the banh mi. Popcorn chicken. I could do without popcorn chicken, you know? Yeah. Uh, banh mi, definitely, or summer rolls, delicious. Absolutely. Oh, we last week, Chef Michael Silverstein and I went down a long road of uh, the spicy chili oil. The, um, oh, I'm obsessed. I've been oh, yeah. obsessed. I, I love, the best. I love, I love all that stuff. Where are you based? Are you on east or west? You're east. I'm in New York City. I, okay. I, I, do you go to H-W-A-Y-U-A-N? Do you know it? It's in Chinatown. No. You got to go. Best Asian in the U.S. They weren't, they've been around since the 70s. They created the original cold sesame noodle dish. They've got the Szechuan chili oil. You've got to ask for it. They'll bring it to the table. They cure their own Peking ducks there. I'm telling you, it's a must-go. Super clean, delicious. The sun rebuilt it and made this super cool. It's very nice and fancy. Uh, but oh. very clean Asian where there's like not a bunch of oil on your plate. I'm telling Lovely. you, you've got to go. And okay, like the all right, oil, we're... They've got the chili oil. Just say, can I get the chili oil? And it's the Szechuan with the little chilies. You oh, put it on everything. I, I'm obsessed. You got to go. You got to go. I'm obsessed. I'm a hot sauce fanatic. Same. I am a hot sauce fanatic. Um, and last but not least, I think we're here for this, right? Anything, anything to keep a restaurant afloat, especially if it's delicious. And last but not least... 
There is a whiskey out there. I know it's not a tequila, Dave, but there is a whiskey out there made from crabs. I saw that. I saw that. I, we must have the same feed. But uh, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, For, well, first and foremost, I'll take, I'll take a sip, you know, and see what's up because it's probably going to add a salt or briny quality to it, is what I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, but uh, apparently you read the article. <laughs> I, I didn't. I just I know I didn't. I didn't. But I'm just hello, chef. I better know that. So, yeah, um, but that's what I would imagine. And so it could be interesting. It, you know, probably could make a great whiskey based Bloody Mary. Oh, my God. Delicious. Right. You know, right. And using With a little bit of the Old Bay that. hot sauce. Have you had the Old Bay hot sauce? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, so good. Um, well, I'm not a big whiskey person, but apparently green crabs pose a problem to coastal ecosystems. And one New Hampshire distillery has come up with this tasty solution. So green crabs emigrated from, uh, where is it in this article? I lost it. But uh, so green crabs originally crossed the Atlantic via European merchant ships in the 1800s. And the issue is they burrow into the sand where they can eat as many as 50 clams, oysters, or muscle or mussels a day, which plague shell fisheries. So this distillery in New Hampshire came up to address this issue and they like boil these crabs because there's not a lot of yield out of green okay. crabs. Okay. Which which means that like it's it's a lot of work, you know? Sure, sure. For, for nothing. And so they come up with this stock, which they add to their modified sour match mash. And then they have this custom spice blend mixture consisting of paprika, bay, mustard seed, coriander seed, dill seed, cinnamon, clove, and allspice, reminiscent of a low country boil. The yeah, the final product is described as a briny better fireball. I, I want to try it now. It sounds very yes. interesting. Well, listen, Fireball is problematic. No shade, Fireball. <laughs> but you know if the Fireball comes out, we, you are not going to remember the evening. No, ma'am. No, no. And wasn't there something that came out a couple years back that there was like a component that's in antifreeze in it? I'm like, I, yes. I, I, I mean, I'm good. It's like the yoga mats and the Subway sandwiches, you know? So Yes. Uh, so. Yeah. No, no. But I will try the, I'll try the crab whiskey. It sounds a little more... Yeah, you know, know, it sounds it it sounds luxury, if anything. It does. Fun and unique. And like I said, I think a perfect thing for a whiskey based Bloody Mary, you know? Yeah, like late summer, like late summer, like where there's like a cool breeze in the evening, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, something, something lovely like that. We are here for you know what? Last week, Dave, we were here for none of the none of the food news. And this week. We are here for all of them, and I think that's a great way to end Food News Update. And what a great transition into this book of yours, the hot sauce of it all, because I am staring at my little baker's rack, and I can see I can see Valentina, I can see Tapantillo, I can see Huichol, I can see Cholula. Mm. I can see uh, the freaking Rican uh, Sazon uh, spice blend, right? Mm-hmm. So big, big flavors, a lot of Mexican flavors, right? Because there's a lot of Mexican hot sauces 
or Mexican style hot sauces on the shelf. What inspired you to create the tequila diet? And is it really a diet? <laughs> yeah, so so part one of that question, I actually had come back from a trip to Italy and just been doing tons of wine and pasta. And listen, I love Italy. Um, but yeah, I maybe wasn't walking as much that trip and put on some poundage. And I was like, you know, I'm gay. I can't be heavy. So um, in my mind, you know, the vein thing comes through. Yeah, uh, gay body dysmorphia, it's a thing. Fucking totally. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so I came back and I, I tequila was always in my repertoire. I'm pretty much wine and tequila. That's it. I don't really drink anything else. And so... I just said, I can't drink any wine. So for like eight or 10 weeks, I drank only tequila. I mean, I ate, I ate and worked out and all those things to kind of get back in balance, but I lost like 11 or 12 pounds. So I started, I was living in the city at the time and I was like, I'm on the tequila diet. I'm losing weight. It started as like a skit. One of my stupid stories that I was telling everyone, it was funny and great. And then now it's a book, but I jumped ahead real quick. So a couple months later, I ended up getting reached a buddy of mine from Sun Valley, Idaho, reached out and said, hey, I've got this tequila group. They're coming to the uh, coming to Sun Valley. They want to do a Mexican dinner. It's not my thing. Can you help out? I jumped in. We did this charity event. I pitched the idea to the tequila brand. They loved it. And now, five years later, we have a book. So it kind of started as this skit and turned into something real that I, you know, it ended up becoming, yes, tequila-focused, but not just cocktails and food and my whole... I mean, I just love Mexican food, so that's really what it's about is a lot of my favorite dishes that um, I've worked on, you know, for years that are brought What is it about the Mexican food that you love so much? You know, Mexican food... One, I grew up within Southern California and being back in San Diego now, I'm right next to the border, so I just love... It's maybe that home cooking that it reminds me of my childhood and my mom cooking and the Mexican family and the people and the culture, like, you know, they love their, f- most cultures do, well, a lot of the great ones. And so it, maybe that's what the inspiration is, is I love the grandma making the salsas and the tortillas and the tamales and the holidays. And, um, you know, there's a big cultural component that, that really draws me to that style of cuisine, along with all the flavors and textures. And um, there's so much greatness to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I was in Puerto Vallarta, and this is why I'm so excited to go to Mexico City this week. Okay. And I'll send you my list. Yes, please do, because we've, yeah. uh, we've never been, and we okay. are so excited. Okay. Um, but the, and in your mouth, listeners, if you want the list, you got to write to us, right? <laughs> yes. And follow Chef Dave. Hello. <laughs> but, like... I was just in Puerto Vallarta uh, at the end of May for, um, oh, I did go to the beach once uh, for Pride. And um, I was on the taco diet, just the oh. taco diet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because it was filling, it was delicious. You felt like you weren't eating unnecessary calories. You felt like you were getting vegetables and protein. and protein and like healthy, healthy mm-hmm. fats and... And so many, so many good things that it's just like, I mean, and even like there's this uh, salsa molcajete uh, that they make for you. Oh, my God. It's I my have, favorite thing in the dude, world. I have the place you're going to go. That's what they specialize in Mexico City. It's the best version. They bring a cart to your table. Yep. And you pick and choose all the roasted and beef, and she makes it for you right there. It's, oh. That is one of my favorite salsas. 
It's it's just you know out of all the all the cuisines of the world. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? But but I have been very fortunate, and mainly because of work, to be able to travel a lot. But like out of all the cuisines of the world, uh, besides barbecue, like there is this like richness to Mexican cuisine that is not that is based out of like out of like smoke and 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 earthiness that that you don't find anywhere else right right yeah, I'm, yeah. I, 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 I'm at a loss for words here no that's definitely the case and definitely you know regionally there's different impacts like Oaxacan region they're known for all of their meats and the smoked meats and there's a restaurant I have for you in Mexico City that that's what they celebrate and that's what they do and that you'll love that as well but um, yeah, you know, there's just a lot of depth of flavor and layers of flavors and things like that. And if we can go back to the tacos that you were eating in Mexico, here's an important point that I think people need to realize, too, is the American taco is not the taco you have in Mexico. Like, it's not covered in cheese and shit, okay? It is a homemade tort. It's the protein. It's the pickled veg. Yeah. Here and there, there might be a sprinkle of cotija or queso fresco, but that is not, that's not the Mexican taco. And no, that's and the quesadilla is the that, same. Yeah, no. You're you're not getting, you're not getting like these two heavy flour tortillas with all this like junk and cheese in the middle of it. There is actually a place right up the block for me called Los Tacos Numero Uno. And um, these guys came from California. I forget what they were doing before. And they opened up this shop in Chelsea Market first. And they're the most, the number one taco in, in Manhattan. And it's as authentic as you're going to get here okay, okay, in Manhattan. Okay. Um, they even grind their own co- corn oh, to, wow. make, to make the masa for the, the corn tortillas and whatnot, um, everything. And I often see a lot of tourists and people go in and like order the quesadilla, and it's not that. It's like there's a little cheese on the griddle. They throw the tortilla. They pick it up. They put the stuff in it, and they hand it to you, and you... And you peace out. You know what I mean? Yeah. How are you peeing? Killer tortillas. Yeah. Oh, my God. The the tortillas are insane. Mm. And then for whatever they don't sell, they have what they call the the burro cart in the morning. And they sell these um, breakfast burritos. And they're cigars. They're literally, like, not like a Chipotle brand, massive fucking chunk of, like, disgusting burrito. Right? Even though... Chipotle can be tasty sometimes if you're wasted, but uh, <laughs> but um, you know they're like really thin and skinny, and I'm imagining maybe they make it fresh, right? But I'm imagining that like they're taking whatever they didn't use and throwing proteins it in, and such proteins and, and like rolling it. In. They're delicious, delicious. Yeah. But on that note of authenticity, how how did you manage to keep the authenticity? in this book, right? And like as an homage to the culture. Yeah, you know, again, I've spent a lot of time in Mexico. I'm in Mexico four to six times a year in the various regions. And so I've done a lot of research, you know, via mouth to stomach, but, um, and meeting some of the people. But, um, you know, I've kept the book very real in terms of flavors with some of my stylings thrown in, you know, like I've got a bacon fat flour tortilla and things like that. We're not making the masa, but, um, you know, keeping things true and authentic, 
you know, with access to ingredients and things like that as possible. Um, but uh, how was I able to do that? Yeah, it's, we do have access to so many things, you know, whether you order from Amazon or whatever. So you really yeah. can keep it pretty true. Um, you know, the recipes vary in simpler things like salsas to a mole, you know, which is one of my favorites, or triple chili enchilada sauce, which really is more ingredients and a little bit of technique. But um, yeah, I, whenever I do a different project, like I've done an Indian joint, a Russian joint, a Malaysian joint, I really keep... A Georgian joint, mm-hmm. which is delicious. Chama Mama. Oh, if you come across Chama Mama, delicious. Oh, wow. That's great. I know they've got two locations now, which is crazy. But, um, you know, so something that's very important for me is I keep the ingredients true to what they're really using. So, like, you're not going to see... Yes, there's bacon fat in the tortillas and a bacon flat refried bean, but I make sure I keep the ingredients real to the regions and not like a bunch of... This is not American-Mexican. This is very true Mexican from the chilies to the beans to whatever. And I'm making all those from, you know, I'm not... It's not canned beans. We're cooking the beans. So I've just kind of done it by being real to the ingredients, I guess. And I ask the question because nothing incenses me more than watching Ree Drummond make sheet pan quesadillas like she invented them. Stop it. No. You know? No. Like she invented them. And for those of you new around here, and even for those of you who have been listening to me for a while, I'm not saying that she, the woman can't make a quesadilla. Make all the American-style, right, yes. Mexican-inspired quesadillas you want. Do it. But you can't, you can't come to the table like you invented the, the ish. Like, Please. like you, like, this is, this is this whole, like, brand new, like, oh, you know what Please. I mean? Please, no, And so we are, we live in a world where we have a lot of access. We have a lot of access. And we have, whether that's to information, to, to communities, to people, to, to ingredients, to whatever. Like, mm-hmm. why not? Why not, if you're going to do this, pay a little homage or, or, or you know, like bring in... Truly celebrate the culture. Don't yes. try to make it yours. Like, you know, I'm a white kid from SoCal. I am not Hispanic, you know, but I'm giving my closest rendition and version and appreciating the people and the ingredients and not bastardizing it, you know, and calling yeah. it something that it's not. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, the recipes are mine and created by my work in the kitchen and testing them, but they come from those people and their culture. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, congratulations on your book, and I can't wait to get my hands on it for sure. Let the kids know where they can find it. Yeah, you can go to mytequiladiet.com, and that shows all the platforms that you can get it, everything from Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's everywhere online. The ebook is as low as $9.99, so, like, there's not a better deal out there. Um, but yeah, my tequila diet is the easiest platform, uh, which will show you everywhere to go. But if you Google it, it comes up in all the searches and you can click through and buy whatever, buy it wherever you like, but it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. Online. Yeah. 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 And, and the heart, you can get the, the paperback and everything too. Yeah. Based yes. on what platform you prefer. Yeah. You know, if I didn't live in 120 square feet in Times Square, I think I'd have an entire library of just cookbooks. Oh you know? yeah. They're fun to just look at. Yeah, they're just fun to like flip through uh, the yeah. good ones. 
The good yes, one. Yes, yes, yes. And know. we've got some great pictures, and I did everything from all the cooking and food set. I didn't take the photos. We had professionals for that, but yeah, you know, of it's course. very real and approachable, and it's a fun book to look at and cook through and drink through. Yes, yes, yes. How do you feel about, uh, who was it, that 818 tequila? Is that Kylie Jenner's? Oh, God. Yeah, the Kardashian tequila? With the, I, I can't do anything with the K word attached. No, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the Rock's got a tequila, which I haven't tried to hurt. It's not that great. Um, there's so many. Everyone owns spirits now, but uh, yeah, I haven't tried the Kardashian stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I brought it full circle back to reality TV. Yes, you, you did. See, you see what I did there? You and did. I and I, I don't watch those ladies, you know? Uh, no. Listen, I can't be mad at them for their hustle, and they did their thing, and now they yeah. they, they run the world. Like, good for yeah. you. It's yeah. just not for me. You know what yeah, I mean? Just, yeah, just keep them out of my feed. They can do their thing. Honestly, honestly. Uh, before we Before we close out, favorite recipe from the book? I mean, it would have to be my mole negro. I mean, that's one of my favorite sauces when I'm in Mexico. Like, I literally drink it at breakfast. It's, to me, it's one of the, the best dishes slash sauces in the world because of the depth of flavor from the chocolate to the golden raisins to the cinnamon to the allspice. Like, mm, it's, yeah, that's, that's my number one. All right, all right, in your mouth, listeners. Something to look forward to. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for coming on and playing with me and laughing with me and just telling your story. Let the kids know where they can find you, how they can find you. Give us all the handles. Yeah, it's pretty easy. I'm basically at Chef Dave Martin on all platforms as well as at My Tequila Diet on all platforms. So it's, it's very easy to find me out there. So please hit me up, DM me if you need to. Yep, right. D- slide into those DMs, <laughs> but slide in respectfully, please. Yes, please. Okay? Unless you're really hot, and then maybe... Yes. <laughs> but there's, there's a caveat. There's a caveat, because if, if you send some nonsense to Dave, Dave is allowed to share with me. Oh, so totally. I can So I can reprimand or just gawk. <laughs> right? Totally. <laughs> That's something I haven't said on this pod in forever. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> Dave, again, for giving me of your time out of your busy schedule today. You know, um, it's, I've been, it's an honor, and I'm so happy to be here and so happy to have you as part of my big gay food village now. Um, you are always welcome here. In your mouth, listeners, it is second week of August. You better get to the beach. Well, I better get to the beach. And if you haven't been to the beach, uh, you know, throw on some SPF, take an umbrella, get there, get in those last minute, like, summer vibes, that last minute rosé if you drink um, but drink responsibly get out there, take care of yourselves, LGBTQ fam, go out there and get your vaccines, your COVID vaccine your monkeypox vaccine or, or orthopox vaccine is what we're calling it now, um, it is very important, we gotta keep this community safe if you don't know what I'm talking about look up at Dr. Carlton on Instagram. He is one of the only doctors, a few doctors I see out there trying to get the community the information that they need 
um, to keep us safe and healthy. It is important. The merch is still on sale at www.themunoz.com forward slash mouth merch. And obviously, go show Chef Dave Martin all the love on Instagram. Other than that, all I have to say is thank you for listening to In Your Mouth.